Hello, listeners! Or should I say, ahoy there, listeners! That's right, I'm coming to you live from a tiny crew cabin on board the Paradise. Well, as live as a podcast can be. But hopefully, I'll have these episodes to you as regularly as possible. My internet is going to be super spotty at sea, I think. I, I don't really know, actually. This is my first contract as a professional musician on board a cruise ship, after all. I, I don't really know what to expect, but I'm real excited. I'm going to be sharing with you all of the secret behind-the-scenes details you never knew about cruise life. Is the guest services manager in love with the head chef? Does housekeeping get down in a secret bar below deck after hours? What is the captain hiding under that hat? (laughs) Keep listening, and I promise all of the juicy tea will be spilled. Hot. Uh, Is that the expression? Anyway, let's get started on the paradise. For all of our nautical buffs out there, weighing in at nearly 180,000 gross registered tons, she's the second largest ship in the Wayfarer Cruise Line fleet, just slightly smaller than her sister ship, the Utopia, which launched a few months after the paradise made her maiden voyage from Lisbon to Nice just two years ago. Paradise holds 3,487 passengers at double occupancy, and has a crew complement of around 2,000. She has 18 decks, and is 1,250 feet long. Fun fact, that's exactly as long as the Empire State Building is tall, minus the spire, of course. Did you know that the Chrysler Building was supposed to be the tallest building in the world? It was, too, for about a year. They thought it would be slightly taller than the Empire State, which was being constructed around the same time. But then at the last minute, the architects of the Empire State added to their spire, which surpassed the height of the Chrysler Building by just enough to become the tallest building in the world. The designer of the Chrysler Building was famously so upset over the ordeal that he leapt from the top of the building. Lexington Ave was closed from 41st to 44th for two days to clean up the gore. But history forgets second place. I took a little tour of the paradise today after I got settled into my cabin. Well, uh, by tour, I mean wandered around by myself exploring the various passenger and crew areas of the ship. Now let me tell you, when the website says the paradise is the crown jewel of the Wayfarer fleet, it isn't lying. From top to bottom, this ship is adorned with the most luxurious decor I've ever seen. At the heart of the ship is the atrium, a circular open area 14 decks high, with a set of four glass elevators running up and down. Hanging down from the ceiling is a truly massive chandelier. It hangs down six decks, a twisted glass piece of art like the roots of a massive tree or lightning caught in a bottle, ever shifting colors in a faint glow. The scale of this cannot be overstated. It seems to transcend the boundaries of human comprehension, defying the natural order itself by not crashing to the floor eight decks below its lowest point. It's really big, guys. Just down the corridor from the atrium is the Lonely Hearts Club. It's the piano lounge where I will be working, entertaining all of the single souls that come aboard the Paradise. 
Hopefully, more than a few lovebirds will find each other while I croon out autumn leaves to a captive audience. The lounge is quite a sight. Even in mid-morning, it is dimly lit. A baby grand piano sits on a small stage at the far end of the room. The stage itself is elevated only a step from where the audience will be. Behind the piano is a red curtain. I peeked behind the curtain. Just a wall. Fake. There are a few small stage lights that illuminate the piano in reds and blues. I imagine I will look very melancholy and impressive in this lighting. I love it. The audience is set up in cabaret seating, at little four-top tables with a small lamp on each one. The lamp provides enough light to see your partner at the table, but not enough to see them. But that's what the Lonely Hearts Club is for. If you really wanted to see someone, wouldn't you just go to the buffet? I sat down at the piano and opened the lid. The room was silent. That kind of heavy, oppressive silence. The kind that presses behind your eyes. I could hear no sounds from the corridor outside the lounge. And actually, now that I think about it, I hadn't seen anyone walking about the ship. The, the passengers hadn't embarked yet, but I figured the crew, uh, of which, may I remind you, there are 2,000 of, would be working tirelessly to get the ship ready for another sailing before the next wave of guests arrive on board. Yet, the corridors were empty. The atrium, vast and impossible, was empty. This lounge was empty. Well, the lounge was not empty. I was in it. I sat at the piano. My fingers hovered over the keys. There's a sort of reluctance you feel right before you play in a silent, empty room. I mean, less of a reluctance and more of a terror. A creeping terror that comes right before pressing a key and piercing the silence. It's, it's primal, I think. We, we used to hide from predators in the night. It's difficult to hide in silence. One sound, and it knows where you are. It has been waiting, listening, hungry, patient, feral. I imagine if our ancestors had found a piano in the woods at night, they wouldn't play it. Come to think of it, I probably wouldn't play it either. I played the piano. I played one chord, tentatively. No monsters came rushing down the corridor. The piano was in tune. Thank God for that. I mean, you'd expect on a ship that cost a billion dollars, they'd tune the pianos, but you never know. I'm glad Wayfarer Cruise Line extended their attention to detail to the tuning of the instruments. It makes me feel valued as an employee, really. I'm so happy to be here. Over the loudspeaker came three tones, a B-flat arpeggio ascending. Bung, bung, bung. A voice said, 
All new crew members, please report immediately to conference room A on deck 9 for brief orientation. Guests will be embarking shortly. I got up from my piano and made my way to the glass elevators in the atrium. The elevator cars are larger on the inside than they appear, finely appointed with gold trim around the seams of the glass walls. As I rose through the atrium, I leaned on the glass facing outwards. Isn't it funny how there's always that voice in the back of your mind in situations like this that says, break the glass, jump, end it. The elevator came to a stop and a computer voice announced, Deck 9. I thought to myself how much fun it will be pretending I'm a Starfleet officer every time I ride this elevator. I also thought again about running headlong into the glass and plummeting to the smooth marble floors of the atrium below. Would anyone miss me if I was dead? Conference room A is much further down the corridor from the atrium than the piano lounge. The immensity of the ship really is something. I don't understand people who say, I could never go on a cruise. It's too claustrophobic. I'd be trapped. I think you're more likely to be lost forever in the endless labyrinth of bars, casinos, and duty-free shops than trapped in a confined space. Oh, maybe if you got locked in a closet, sure. But I think that's a pretty consistent danger whether or not you're on a cruise. Inside the conference room were the first people I'd seen since I got on the ship, which had to have been about two hours by then, I think? I'm not really sure. The faces in the room were friendly, if foreign. I don't mean foreign like in a racist way, just like I didn't know them. Although most of them turned out to actually also be foreigners, so... Anyway, the folks sitting at the table were all in plain clothes, like me. Only two people, a man and a woman, appeared in uniform, and they stood at one end of the room. Ah, good, the man in uniform said to me as I walked in. Our last new crew member is with us. Please have a seat and we'll begin. There was one empty seat at the table next to a small man my age. He introduced himself as Armando from the Philippines. He told me he'll be working as the bartender in the Lonely Hearts Club. Big ship, small world, I guess. <laughs> Shout out to you, Armando. The woman in uniform adjusted a panel on the wall, and the lights in the room dimmed as the man in uniform began a presentation with a slideshow on a screen behind him. I am First Officer Oleg Krovopuskov, and that is your staff captain, Mina Semenov. Krovopuskov's form, broad and commanding in the light, seemed more imposing while lit only by the light of the projector screen, his features sharpened by the dim artificial glow. The following video is a supplement to the maritime safety training all of you have already completed. Now, I promised you all with cruise ship secrets that they don't want you to know. So here's the first. This employees-only video that Wayfair Cruise Lines apparently shows to all new hires is about an hour straight of footage of accidents involving cruise ships. There was one of a lifeboat drill. The lifeboat was incorrectly lowered during a routine drill and it crashed to the water several stories down, capsizing. One dead, two injured, Grovopuskov commented. Another. Surveillance footage outside on one of the upper decks. Late at night, a single crew member is mopping. He pauses for a moment and looks over the side of the ship. Suddenly, a massive wave crashes over him. 
when the water recedes, the man is gone. Body never recovered. Another. A ship smaller than the Paradise collides with another passenger vessel in a harbor, leaving the smaller ship's bow crushed and a large hole in the side of the ship it hit. Thick black smoke begins to rise from both vessels. 27 dead, 343 injured. The footage kept coming. Images of ships running aground, catching fire, capsizing, of crew members being cut in half by massive ropes snapping at the docks, guests falling overboard, pirates boarding vessels and decapitating hostages, one of a passenger slitting his wife's throat at dinner with a steak knife. Krovopuskov followed each in kind with the death toll. The images were disturbing. You know how you know how every September 11th they always play tapes of the planes hitting the towers over and over of people jumping from the windows. A nation forced to relive its trauma annually. Do you remember the first time you watched someone die? I can't remember how my fellow new hires reacted to the tape. I don't actually remember ever looking away. The final gruesome tragedy the tape showed us was surveillance footage from the inside of a glass elevator. A man stands with his face pressed to the glass away from the camera. As the elevator rises, he remains completely, eerily, still. Then, a decision. He takes two steps away from the glass, then a third. Without so much as a breath to ready himself, he runs straight into the glass wall of the elevator. It smashes, and he falls out, and out of shot. One dead, said Kruvopuskov 